Good morning, Reach Church. Good morning. All right. Well, I wasn't here last week, so it's good to be back with the family. It feels, it feels nice and intimate here. Uh, missed you guys. Well, uh, pray with me and we'll jump into the Word. Father, as we, as we come before you this morning, um, we recognize we are always in your presence, and yet this is our chance to focus upon you to remember your grace and your love and your mercy, to remember the cross and what you've done for us. Father, I ask that we would remember you with, with great joy. Um, Father, would you melt our hearts and would you give us great joy in your presence that we have such a great God who is so gracious to us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your great love in Christ. Would you use your word to teach us how we might be free from sin and love you and, and just enjoy you in all of your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So uh, if you've been following the order of things, uh, for a long time we were going through Romans. And we are back in Romans today. We are jumping back into Romans 8. Romans 8. Uh, had kind of a hiatus for Christmas and Thanksgiving, uh, but we're jumping back into it. Now, uh, the Great Eight. That's what we're calling this series because Romans 8 is kind of the culmination of all of the theology we've been looking at in Romans. So we had seven chapters of kind of pretty dense theology. We saw that we are saved by faith and not by works. We saw that we are saved by grace and not by the law. And those are kind of two, two great distinctions of the Christian faith. It is faith, not by works. It is grace, not the law. And we've seen over and over that it is, it is God outside of us who has given us salvation. It is not something that we, we do in and of ourselves. It's something that comes outside and is given to us. And today we're kind of looking at the very last of this, these two distinctions. We as believers live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. By the Spirit, not by the flesh. And I, wanna, I want us to to really feel the weight of, of that distinction. Because I think all of us, we, if you've grown up in the church, you know it is by faith and not by works. And when people, people say, oh yeah, I just, I just, the law is just really hard to do and I try really hard, this alarm bell goes off in our heads. And we hear, works, 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 like that's not allowed. And we point them back to faith. I hope that you hear that. And you hear someone and you say, no, that's, that's not the gospel. The gospel is about faith and what we believe Christ has done, not by what we do. And I think the same bell goes off when we hear someone talking about the law and say, oh yeah, we just, we just need to obey and try really hard. And we say, no, no, it's about grace. It is about grace alone. That's the only way you're saved. Now, an alarm bell needs to go off in our heads when we hear someone trying to live by the flesh and not the spirit. That the flesh is as bit dead as the law and works are dead. So today we're focusing on, on how the spirit comes into our lives and how he applies faith and grace and gives us salvation. This is a culmination of everything we've been looking at in Romans. That it all comes to fruition by the work of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to be looking at how Jesus Christ, he condemns the flesh. He condemns the flesh to give us 
the Spirit. The flesh is traded for the Spirit, and the Spirit gives us power. The Spirit saves, and the Spirit gives us power to, to actually kill and condemn sin and live in freedom. That's what we're looking at today. All right, this is very important, very important stuff. So, uh, jump into Romans 8. Grab your Bible. And we're going to read Romans 8, verses 1 through 8. Romans 8, verses 1 through 8. Alrighty, let's jump into it. Starts off amazing. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according to the, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it cannot submit to God's law, or it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. All right. So, in Romans 7, in Romans 7 we started building on this theme. And Romans 7 was all about the flesh. And the flesh is, is enslaved to sin. The flesh is enslaved to sin. And so, anyone trying to be good based upon their flesh, their own efforts, their own power, their own facilities, we saw in Romans 7, they fail and they fail and they fail. And they sin and they sin and they sin. They cannot obey the law. They cannot please God and they will never that the flesh is dead. And the flesh leaves us powerless against the, in our fight for sin. We lose every time. And the final culminating statement of Romans 7 was, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That's the question that we should be crying out, that the plea that we should be crying out when we look at our flesh and our own efforts. Who will save me from this body of death? And thankfully, verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That Jesus comes in and he has a solution for the flesh. He has a solution for our enslavement to sin, the fact that we fail and we fail and we fail every time we try. And now Romans 8 is building on that. He's jumping in right there and we hit verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. All right, that is very good news. That is very good news because we in our flesh, we were condemned. We were doomed to die. We were to be judged because our sinful flesh ran after sin time and time again. That in our sin, in our flesh, in ourselves, we were condemned. 
But here, verse 1, if we are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Now, why is there no condemnation for those who are in Christ? Who are not in the flesh, but are in Christ. Verse 2 says that we have a new law. Look at verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Alright, so there's this old law in operation. The Old Testament law to just rules and rules and rules and rules. And the rule was, you are, you are sinful, your flesh is sinful, and every time you hear a rule, all you want to do is sin. That that's what our hearts want to do with the law, is, is break it. And actually delight in breaking it. And the more we hear of the law, the more we want to break the law. That was the law of sin and death. That every time you give a law, we just die and we sin all the more. And that's where Jesus comes and he gives us a new law. The law of the Spirit. That is not just about your flesh enslaved to sin. There's a, there's a whole other second party here. That from the outside comes the Holy Spirit. Who gives you power over the flesh. Power to actually do the law. Now, how does God do this? Look what it says. Uh, also, verse 3. He does this, By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. All right, flesh is the problem. And I'm not talking about our bodies. I'm talking about you left to yourself without any help are dead in your sin. And you're condemned in your sin. And you are enslaved to your sin. And so Jesus Christ, Jesus comes down in the flesh. He comes down in the weakness of a human body. That's what we celebrated in Christmas was, was Jesus come in the flesh. And he came in the flesh so he might be weak. So that he might struggle. And so that he might actually bear the judgment for sin. The reason there is no condemnation for, for those who are in Christ is because Jesus Christ was condemned in the flesh. That when he went to the cross, he was condemned for our sinful flesh in his body. And you are not condemned because Jesus Christ was already condemned. That's the whole point of the gospel. There's no condemnation for you because there is condemnation for Christ. Now, this is salvation from outside of us. That when it comes to works, Jesus gives us his works we receive him by faith. When it comes to the law, we don't have to obey the law. Jesus obeys the law for us. And this is, condemnation doesn't come upon us, it comes upon Christ. It comes upon his flesh, not ours. Now, do you believe that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Do you believe that? Or are you scared of God? Do you run from God? Do you feel this, this veil of shame and of guilt before him? Do you feel like you can never stack up? You're constantly being judged. No, there is no condemnation. 
There is no room for feeling any guilt or shame or condemnation because Jesus Christ has already took it. That's the whole point of the gospel. And then kind of the corollary to that is there's no condemnation for others who are in Christ. We judge each other. We criticize each other. We hold each other to the standard of the law. We condemn one another. There is no room for that in the gospel because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We need to treat each other like that is true for us and for, for one another. There is no condemnation because Jesus Christ was condemned for us. All right, but we go on and there, there's more there. It doesn't say actually that Jesus Christ was condemned. It says sin was condemned. And that's where Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, he kind of, he absorbed all the sin into himself. He took our sins upon himself and he kind of took them down into the grave and condemned them. He killed them. He crucified them. He, he was murdered and they were murdered alongside of him. That we aren't condemned, our sins were condemned. Our sins were put on death row and they are, they are dying, they are perishing. They're going away. Now, what does that mean for us? Look at verse 4. Our sin was condemned in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, Jesus Christ came and he condemned the sinful flesh so that we might fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. All right, there's two ways that can be interpreted. One way, one way to be interpreted is that Jesus vicariously gives you his righteousness. That he fulfilled the law and he gives it to you because you are in Christ. Now, that is true. And that is why we can be called righteous. But that's not all that Paul is talking about here. There's a second thing. There's this vicarious righteousness that's given to us. But sin is actually condemned. Sin is actually defeated and we actually now have a power to be free from sin right here and right now. That we have power to fulfill the law according to the Spirit. And that's where there's this, this great exchange happened. Okay, so, so Christ came in the flesh and, and he was destroyed according to the flesh. He was condemned according to the flesh so he might give us his Spirit. Jesus gets the flesh, we get the Spirit. Jesus gets the condemnation, we get the freedom. Jesus gets the, the sin, and we get, we get righteousness. That we have the Holy Spirit within us. Now, we need to talk about the Spirit a little bit. All right. So who is the Holy Spirit, and what does he actually do? All right, we believe in something called the Trinity. The Trinity, the tri-unity, three persons, one God. All right, unfortunately, I think most of us believe in a binity, a bi-unity. That no one, that we, like, we like Jesus. What he did was pretty clear. All right, God the Father is one we pray to. All right, we're happy about that. And, 
The Holy Spirit is that weird one that might not even really be God. All right, that's how we treat, that's how we treat the Holy Spirit. All right, we believe in the Trinity. All right, uh, the Holy Spirit is God. Fully God, just like Jesus and the Father are. Fully God. He is personal. He's not just a life force. He's not just a power. It's offensive to call him an it. Right? Oh, I hope, I hope it gives you the strength to... No, you know how moms freak out when you say, call their babies an it? And they get really mad about it? Casey and I were called, like, called Remy an it forever. And people would like yell at us because we weren't allowed to say that. Um, all right, it's like that. Like, the Holy Spirit is, is a is personal God. And he is as much God as any of the other two parts, persons. And we need to treat him like that. All right, and he is, he is intimately involved in salvation. That he is part of the salvific work of God. All right, all right, so God, God the Father, he came up with the plan. Jesus, Jesus did the work. All right, he did the work on the cross. He rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit applies the work of Christ to you personally. He applies the work, that, the, the work that Jesus did, which is all, all up here and has nothing to do with you. The Holy Spirit makes it about you. All right, so it's a, kind of a personal, nice, nice personality to, to the Holy Spirit here. Um, now, how does he do that? He unites you with Christ. He unites with you with Christ. All right, so if, if Jesus is just up here, he was on the cross 2,000 years ago, that has nothing to do with you. You need to be in Christ, and so you, were, you died too. You were crucified with Jesus. You rose from the dead with Jesus. That's what it talks about when it says, those who are in Christ are not condemned. They were united with Christ. Everything they did, or that, that Jesus did, you did. That's the basis for our salvation. The Holy Spirit makes that connection. How does he do that? Now, this is getting really theological. Bear with me, bear with me. All right, all right. so you're connected to Christ by faith. Faith is the link between you and Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's job is to build that faith. He created that faith. He gave that faith and stuck it into your heart. And he's kind of he's the, the blacksmith. The blacksmith of, of the Trinity. All right? He forges faith. Faith is wrought by the Holy Spirit. That's the, the, old, the old fancy pants language for it. Spirit wrought faith. All right? So he's hammering out your faith. He's melting down your faith. He's purifying your faith. He's beating upon your faith and finding any, any little chink, any weakness in there. And he's connecting you to Jesus Christ. That's where when we talk about, right, can you lose your salvation? Can you lose your faith? That's basically asking, is the Holy Spirit going to screw up and mess up and let me down? And the answer is no. Because it's not your faith, it's the Holy Spirit's faith. He made it and he maintains it. He's the one who keeps you connected to Jesus. That's what he's doing. He does other stuff too, which we'll talk about. But that's what he does. 
And he builds faith in us and he changes our hearts through our faith. All right. There's kind of a problem with that. Because the Holy Spirit is, is kind of confusing and he seems kind of mystical and out there and we can't chain him down and we can't figure him out. Um, oftentimes the Holy Spirit becomes a guilt trip. And we say, well, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You should be able to do it. You should have the power not to sin anymore. And then we just hate the Holy Spirit because he just condemns us. That you're not very good because you have God inside of you and you're still sinning all the time. All right, not super helpful. Um, or the Holy Spirit just becomes very impractical. Um, in Campus Crusade, I was, I was in Campus Crusade in uh, college, and the, the first booklet was How to Be Saved. The How to Be Saved booklet, uh, God's, God's plan of love for your life. And that was pretty clear. It was just the gospel message. That was really easy. And then they had the second booklet, which was How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember going through that booklet, and it didn't make any sense. It was just kind of like, hope that the Holy Spirit fills you, and then all your sins are going to be gone. And I remember me and my roommate, who's going to be here next week, actually, um, we like went through the little booklet, and then like a week later, we like looked at each other, and we're like, yeah, that wasn't very helpful. Because it's not that practical. And we kind of just throw the Holy Spirit out there, and then don't actually say how to be filled with the Spirit or how to walk by the Spirit, how to live by the Spirit. So that's where I, that's where I want to get today. That's our, our final thing. How are we actually to live by the Holy Spirit? How do we walk by the Holy Spirit? If that's the only way to be free from sin, how do we actually do it? Look at verse 5. We see this dichotomy here. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It, can't, it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. All right, clear dichotomy here. We can either be in the flesh or in the spirit. Being in the flesh is miserable. All you do is sin all the time and then you die. Um, so we don't want to be there. All right. We want to be in the spirit. Let's flesh this out. All right. What does it mean to walk in the flesh or live in the flesh? What does that mean? Now, I want us to be careful here. Oftentimes when we talk about living in the flesh or being in the flesh, we think that means sin. The flesh is sin. So to walk in the flesh is to walk in sin. And to think about the things of the flesh is to think about sin. And it just becomes, the, the message of, of walking in the flesh essentially becomes, don't sin and think about sin and be a sinner. That's what it means to walk in the flesh is to to sin. I'm going to say definitively right now, that is wrong. That is not what it means to walk in the flesh. Otherwise, this, these statements don't mean anything. They just mean that to, to be in sin is to set your mind on sin and to sin and to die. It doesn't mean anything. All right. It, 
we can be a little more helpful than that. All right, what it means to live according to the flesh is to go back and try to live according to your own strength. To forget about the fact that we are saved by faith and we are saved by grace. And instead go back to the law and go back to, uh, to works. To walk by the flesh is to save yourself and to try in your own strength to, to earn your salvation, to forget about the cross completely. That all that matters is you and your performance before God. That's what it means to walk in the flesh. And if you're trying to earn your own salvation and be good on your own steam, you're going to fail and you're going to die. That's what it says. And you will never be able to please God because that's not how you do it. What does it mean to set your mind on the flesh? That doesn't mean thinking about sin all the time. To set your mind on the flesh is to think about the law. And to think about what does God want from me? What does God demand from me? What are all of the rules? Am I really stacking up? Am I a good Christian or a bad Christian? How, how am I doing on the scales of life? That's what it means to set your mind on the, on the, the flesh. And maybe that makes you feel like a screw-up, or maybe that makes you feel really proud. That, yeah, I'm, I'm a fantastic Christian. Look at me. That is the mind set on the flesh. All right. I hope that's helpful, because if, if, it's, if the mind set on the flesh is just thinking about sin, then the answer is, well, then... The life in the spirit must be try harder. Stop sinning. Stop being such a bad Christian and go get your act together. But if setting your mind on the flesh is thinking about your own efforts, then setting your mind on the spirit means to think about grace. To think about the mercy that God has for you. The fact that you are saved by faith and not by works. That is what it means to live by the Spirit. They are constantly consumed by what Jesus Christ has done for you, not what you have to do for him. The person living by the Spirit is obsessed with the cross and is obsessed with the fact that Jesus came and, and died so that we may not die. And they were received as sons into glory because of nothing that we've done. You are perfect in his sight that there is no condemnation in Christ. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. That, that's what it means to be living by the Spirit. Then the question becomes, how much are you thinking about the gospel? How much are you thinking about the fact that, that Jesus came and did this for you? They are perfect in God's sight. That his mercies are new every morning. That there is a new heavens and new earth full of glory and you are guaranteed to go there because God is gracious and does not demand anything but you but faith. That's what it looks like to live by the Spirit. And as we, as we think about those things and we dwell upon the blessings and the promises of God in Christ, the Holy Spirit strengthens that faith. 
That faith that he built, he uses all of those things to make it stronger and build it up until we can't even think about sinning. That we'd rather have more and more of Christ. And we don't even worry about the law because we just want to pursue Jesus and love him because he is glorious and he's beautiful. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Now, it's with that in mind that we talk about things like reading your Bible or memorizing scripture or coming to church or going to a Bible study. It's so that you can actually build up your faith. So you can see the promises of God. You can see the blessings of God. You can see the glories of what he's done. We reduce these things into works when they're, they're not works. They don't please God. God doesn't care. It's that it helps our faith. And the Holy Spirit uses it to, to give us great joy in Christ. That's the point. And as we do those things, we are, we are filled with the Spirit and we are free from sin and we enjoy Jesus Christ. <coughs> to live by the Spirit is to forget about the law and just worship God for Jesus Christ. Now, it makes me a little nervous because I'm listening to our worship, and we could be worshiping a little harder here, a little, maybe. <laughs> like, let's worship. This is the God who is, who is infinitely gracious with us. We're going to be doing this for all eternity. Like, it's the joy of being in the fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's why we come here. To remember how gracious he is, to, to push that into our hearts by the Spirit more and more and more. Let's worship, let's love Jesus Christ. And then let's do whatever the heck we want because we will be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great gift of the Spirit. We thank you for him. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are willing to dwell in, in these disgusting little hovels of our bodies and and dwell with us and endure our sin and our, our stagnant hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask that we would, we would follow you and that we would rejoice in you and that you would lead us to Jesus. Would you lead us to the cross? Would you lead us to the resurrection? Help us to see the blessings and the promises that you have for us. Help us to, to believe the new heavens and new earth. That there are great glories to come. That there's great beauty in worshiping you. Father, would you give us contentment in Christ that we could say that, that the joy of our hearts is nothing but Jesus. Holy Spirit, please give us that. That we may have you and nothing else. We pray in Christ's name.